0: Currently in America, less than 6% of doctors are black. And when you break that down by specialties, it's even worse. I know for myself, um, out of all physicians in America, only 2% identify as black and female. And actually, you know, black females in medicine are actually doing pretty good compared to our counterparts. Um, but in order for us to end this racial disparity in medicine, we have to start looking at trying to increase the amount of black men that enters medicine. So, on my show today, we talk with Dr. Crystal Wecon Kennedy, who runs the Black Man MD blog, aka Dr. Dub, to talk about these issues and also the desire to inspire others. So, let's get to it. So hi everyone! Thank you again for coming to the show and listening to Coloring Health Policy today. I have Dr. Crystal <laughs>
1: Wecon Kemeny. Crystal Wecon Kemeny. People call me Dr. Dub too. I was
0: gonna say that. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> I'm. Ex- I honestly, I'm really excited that they also call you Dr. Dub, and um, <laughs> just because, and like I'm from Winter, Connecticut, and um, our high school which is also windsor high um their football team they go by um the dub they call windsor the dub and they literally have the w and it's yeah so when i heard that i was like oh like the dub that's so cool
1: (laughs) Uh, that's funny (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs)
0: <laughs> but thank you so much for speaking to me today. I'm like really excited about the work that you do, and um, as a black male in medicine, I really want to highlight that and see how health policy can definitely be and is already trying to address the shortage of black males entering into medicine. Um, So, I just want to talk to you about um, one thing I loved about your blog is that um, your motto, which is you're just an African American with the desire to inspire. First of all, it rhymes, and I really like that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but what is your vision um, when you decided to create the Black Man um, MD blog?
1: Yeah. So, I just kind of backed it up. I first decided to create it in uh, July of 2015, shortly before I got before I entered medical school, um, the reason I wanted to create it was because I couldn't really find any kind of res- any kind of representation um, of people who look like me online, mm. and I really wanted to be able to be what I was looking for in terms of that, and to just show other people that like people like me, like especially black men, are doing this, are are in medicine, are trying to be successful in the medical field. And I also wanted to be able to just uh, showcase my experiences, or better yet, record my experiences in medical school so that people who were looking to go into the medical field and didn't really know what to expect um, throughout the journey could just read what I was writing and um, get a better idea of what they what they would be um, expecting once they entered the medical field. Um, and so, like with the blog, throughout time in medical school, I, I recorded my experiences on a weekly basis and just kind of, you know, um, expressed my true feelings, true thoughts, and true experiences um, in medical school. And I've been also doing that throughout residency, although not as not as consistently, not on a weekly mm-hmm. basis, but every like couple, two to three weeks, just because, I mean, you know, residency is kind of busy. So.
0: <laughs> you're a <you're> resident. <laughs> you yeah, you exactly. have a job now.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was the initial vision of it. But then over time, it the vision kind of evolved in the sense mm. that um, I realized that I had a pretty, pretty good, pretty strong platform that I was working off of. And the more people who listened or uh, read what I was doing and were aware of what my blog was, uh I guess the bigger the more of a presence I realized I had and so I wanted to use a platform to not only express myself but to also uh share uh the great things that other people were doing. So I created the Health Career Spotlight section which mm-hmm. um which, which highlights um various minorities students and professionals in the field of healthcare. Um I also uh, created a bunch of other sections uh, including med school one um, which uh gives a bunch of different resources for people interested in med school. I also uh, started a scholarship to help the Desire to Inspire Scholarship, which a young individual in high school who wants to go into healthcare, a scholarship so that they can uh, further, hopefully uh, further advance their studies and not make finances a burden to what they want to do in the future.
0: Okay. That sounds amazing. And I definitely want to like dive into everything you just said, um, but I just want to go back to you. So when I was like looking over your blog, I noticed that it was just kind of typical in medical school. Like we kind of decide like what we want to do in like third year, but like you made like a drastic change. I saw from yeah. ophthalmology <laughs> to pediatrics and yeah. like ophthalmology, you know, the study of like, you know, the eye and like eye surgery within that going to basically kids. And you're like, I want to work with little people. And, uh, how did that <laughs> <laughs> How did that transition happen? Um, what made you say like working with youth is like a passion that I want to do for the rest of my life?
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? Like <laughs> go from I <you> know, <laughs> specialized in ophthalmology to saying, yeah, I want to work with kids, man. It's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> so um, it hit me. It, it was It was crazy to me when it hit me. Um, it hit me around third year of med school. So
0: Mm.
1: high school, college, throughout my first first two years of med school I was really on, um, I was gung-ho about ophthalmology as an opto opto train. I really, you know, was interested in um, everything about the eye, and I was Mm. just sure that I was going to be an ophthalmologist. And then third year came, and I, for the first time, got experiences in other fields outside of ophthalmology, um, and I was able to rotate through all sorts of different specialties and uh, pediatrics was my third rotation and I knew I was going to like it when I first started because (laughs) I I I I, I'm drawn to I'm drawn to kids I've always been drawn to kids and just you know Mm. um, uh, interacting with them and you know just being around them and so I had I I had a feeling I was going to like it but then once I was rotating through it um, I was just really, I was in awe of how much I was enjoying not only working with the patients and treating them, but also just working with, uh, the residents and the faculty and the specialty. And I was really just having a lot of fun on the rotation and to the point where I would be waking up like, you know, at five in the morning, you know, to go to my rotation and not be mad about it. <laughs> but, wow. As the yeah, first. <laughs> so I know. Exactly. Exactly. I had never happened before. <laughs> and so, I mean, after that rotation, I found myself comparing the rest of my rotations to pediatrics. And even when I got to ophthalmology later on in the year, um, obviously I still liked it, but mm-hmm. it didn't really compare. I think it's the same feeling that I got when I was in my, in my pediatric rotation. I didn't get that same, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, I guess I guess you could call it a gut feeling that I got mm. in my pediatric rotation. And so kind of all of that, um, you know, uh, kind of convinced me to switch paths and go into career in pediatrics. And so um, a few other reasons as to why I decided to go into pediatrics. I actually have a blog post about this on my blog. Yeah, uh, I was going <laughs> to ask you,
0: like, do you want to talk more about it? Because you like, yeah. I, I really like that post because you really talk about, um that kind of how people kind of discourage a lot of people going to pediatrics. I myself am also interested in pediatrics and oh, I've just, I've always loved to go into um, work with kids. Yeah. So I, I've heard the stories that you mentioned in the blog in terms of like people like it's a low paying job, you know, and you're not getting real respect compared to other um, specialties, but I would love, I love for you to go into that if you want to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can touch on that. And so, yeah, just first part, um, the fact that it's a lower-paying specialty. Um, and so, yeah, I obviously thought about that um, because with opto, with it being a procedure-driven specialty and whatnot, you obviously I would be getting paid a lot more than a career in pediatrics. Uh, yes. <laughs> on, a, on an average basis, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, when I just, like, broke it down and um, really thought, thought uh, deep about it, I compared... I, I told myself, alright, so if I were to get paid the same exact um, in the both fields, just hypothetically, um, which field would I truly enjoy enjoy working more? And when I broke it down in that aspect, I just, it, pediatrics are one, hands down. Um, and in terms of like uh, the respect factor, I mean, I think mm-hmm. that, I, I do think that people respect pediatricians just because because pedi- pediatricians are, for the most part, the first doctors that people uh, interact yeah. with in their lives, and so uh, and everyone I mean, people... loves their
0: pediatrician.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone loves their pediatrician. Um, in pediatrics, like they're they are some of the smartest people I know because they mm. have to not only think about you know the adult body and whatnot when the kid's older, but they also have to think about the physiology and you know the bodies of. Uh, babies like infants, like newborns all the way up to like teenage years and those are all different physiologies.
0: Um, oh yeah, a hundred percent.
1: yeah, so I was like that's kind of think through all of that. Um, so I mean I definitely think that pediatricians should uh, begin should get a lot of respect and another reason as to why I I was drawn to pediatrics was because there's just so many opportunities in the field. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, after you do your residency, your three-year residency, you can go to various subspecialties if you want, um, kind of like internal medicine. Like, you can you can go yeah. to like cardiology, nephrology, allergy, immunology, et cetera, et cetera. That just brings so much opportunities. You can also do, like, research, you can do advocacy work, public health work. Um, and, I mean, that's not to say that this these opportunities aren't available in other specialties like ophthalmology. You can obviously do all that stuff in especially like that but I guess I guess um, the big thing for me was uh, just really being able to advocate for youth uh, because the youth don't really is it they're a population that don't really have they don't really have a voice for themselves Mm. for the most part and so especially like um, the younger kids so they need like an advocate for them and people to be representing them and I just felt it was. It just felt right to be able to do that and to be that person, to be um, part of part of, especially that that values the youth because I mean these are the people who are going to be the future of the country and the world.
0: Absolutely, like, investing in
1: them, investing in them seems like a no-brainer. So.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's what you kind of translated within your blog and just transitioning, um, you know, in terms of less talking about, you know, inspiring the youth. And we can talk about black males in terms of how they are looked at in medicine and how they're not really present. Um, I know in 2014, um, the AAMC or for those who don't know what the AAMC stands for, it's the American Association of Medical Colleges. They released a huge report basically calling like um the lack of black males in medicine or applying to medicine, a crisis. Um, At that time, they only had um, maybe like 1,400 applications, and this um, level had not changed since 1978, which is crazy. (laughs) I actually looked up the current numbers, and it was um, for the year for 2019 to um, 2020, it was only um, 1,554 applicants or people who have black males who applied. And um, wow. I think for black women, it was actually double that. Yeah, it was like two thousand eight hundred and sixty four. So there wow. still is a crisis, even though like it's higher than the fourteen hundred. It's it's people are not applying. And even though, you know, the concern is like, well, we see that they're graduating from high school. We're seeing that they graduate from two and four year universities. But why is that not correlating to more people applying to get into medicine? And I was just curious, what is your thoughts on this?
1: man so i mean i'm obviously not an expert in this um yeah. but that being said that being said i i as a black man in medicine i am acutely aware of this issue that we're having i think there are just many factors that go into it and i think that the report spells these factors out really really well i think some of the biggest things in my opinion are one just like you know representation in the media um, mm-hmm. granted, there, there are some positive portrayals of black men, um, in the media, um, black men in medicine, black men doing great things in various fields. That being said, it's, I just always feels like, I always, I just feel like there could be, there could be more. I just, I know that as, I mean, when I was a young kid, um, I, I think the first black doctor that I saw on TV, it I think it may have rolled in Bill Cosby like on his. On
0: his <laughs> I think so for me as well, because most people forget on the Cosby show, he was an OBGYN and I didn't know what OBGYN right. was. I just knew he was a doctor. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs>
1: right, right. And then um, I think another doctor that I remember seeing growing up was Dr. Foreman, a.k.a. Amara Epps, when he played House. Oh, yes. In House. So yeah. I've never seen him. Yeah. And I just remember just being like, you know, whenever I saw him, I'd be like, wow, like, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, he's, he looks like me. He's out there. Like, obviously, he's a show, but it was just mm-hmm. so cool to see him portrayed in that way. Um, That being said, the first doctor that I, the first black male doctor that I met in person, oh. I, I think it was in college, honestly. um, Wow. uh, Yeah, it was in college. And it's crazy because, I mean, I come from a healthcare family. Like my dad's a pharmacist and my mom's a nurse practitioner. Uh, But that being said, I still hadn't met any black male doctors that, I mean, that I can remember up until college. And so Mm. um, just kind of going back to the question, I think just like lack of representation in the media, also just having that, just whenever black men are portrayed in the media, for the most part, it's more so in a negative way. And just, like, the public perception of Black men is typically not positive. It's more so mm. negative, like, in, in general media. Absolutely. Um, so I think, I think that's um, one thing that could be contributing to it. Also, just, you know, the public education system, like, it could, there's things, there are great things that it does, but there are also things that could be done better. And just myself as a product of the public education system, Public school system, Um, I was able to maneuver it, and with the help of obviously of my family, my parents were really they instilled a lot of great values in me, and just with their help and support, and the support of mentors and teachers and whatnot, I was able to maneuver it. But I mean, I had a lot of friends, a lot of people I knew who struggled a lot more in the system, especially black um, black males who just not 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 as many of them as I would have liked to have succeeded in it were able to, I guess reach the reach the places that they wanted to reach at the no age. absolutely
0: i I totally agree with you as I'm also a person who came up in the public school system, and I feel like it's a very it's like rarity for a lot of um people to be like a public school graduate and make it to our level in medicine and still be doing well, so I'm always glad when I hear like a fellow public school person I'm like, yes, like we can do it, <laughs> yeah, know?
1: absolutely, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, there's like, there's a lot of various reasons I can go into, but it, I, I think like those are a couple of the things. And also just, you know, because of the fact that there are not as many black males in medicine, it kind of, mm. it kind of portrays in, well, it kind of, you know, correlates with the fact that there's not as much direct mentorship that I agree uh, is present in medicine. Granted, I mean. It meant as a black male, your mentor doesn't have to be a black male, it could be anybody. Like, you don't yeah. have to restrict yourself in that aspect. But I mean, it definitely doesn't hurt to see a fellow black male in medicine um, trying to help you out and being your mentor. And so, you know, just kind of like trying to increase access to mentors and also access to pipeline programs uh, mm-hmm. to help uh, kids like in elementary, middle, and high school get connected into the uh, field of healthcare and connected to people who are in the field, Um, just so that they are not only aware of uh, these people in this, this field, but also are able to hopefully uh, take advantage of the resources that are made available to them.
0: Absolutely. I think you just hit yeah. on like so many good points in there. Um I just want to like I don't know if you know the numbers currently that are black men who are literally enrolled in medical school but I wanted to look it up beforehand and the AAMC says for 2019 to 2020 um there's only 2663 black males compared to 4118 black females and compared to all of that in terms of white um um, medical students, which is forty six thousand two hundred and five. Wow! So, wow! Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: wild, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, when I saw that, I was just like, "Wow, that's just wow. that just feels wrong yeah. <laughs> like, in so that's many crazy. ways." But um, you that's hit crazy. on some very um good points, and it kind of goes back to the um motto that I I realized that I originated with the National Association of color women which is lifting as we climb and you made a point um earlier of how like you realize that you know you're you're not even like an attending yet, but you're a resident but you understand important like yes i'm climbing up but i need to make sure that i'm looking back for others who are coming along the way and you've done this right. so um well through your blog and as well as your um, scholarship that you mentioned earlier i just wanted you to talk more about your um desire to inspire scholarship.
1: Yeah, it's like my baby, man. <laughs> like I've always—I mean, like I've always wanted to create a scholarship for almost as long as I can remember. Like I got a scholarship to go to college at the University of Miami. It was a full tuition scholarship, and without that scholarship, I wouldn't have been able to attend um, that university, which I believe completely changed my life. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, ever since then, I just wanted to be able to give back in whatever way I could to other other kids who had dreams and who um, wanted to do big things, but just um, were limited in a a financial aspect. And so that being said, um, I decided to uh, create the Desire to Inspire Scholarship. I had initial thoughts of creating it a few years ago, but I didn't get serious Mm. about it until like a year or two ago um, when I realized that I could really just, I could just create it and do it and kind of let, let it grow from, um, let it grow from there, and so the idea of the scholarship is to um, provide a financial award to a young um, minority individual in uh, in high school, a high school, a rising high school junior or senior,
0: yeah. um,
1: who is interested in the career in healthcare and also making an effort to inspire other others around them in some way, shape, or form. I wanted to make the scholarship. I wanted to make it not only like an academic award, I didn't want to like focus primarily on academics because there's like a lot of scholarships out there that award like people who have a like really high GPAs and stuff. Exactly, and so
0: yeah.
1: To, yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to make it a bit more accessible. So I made the minimum GPA a 2.5. Oh, wow. Yeah, and because I wanted to more so um, center it around the idea of inspiration and um, what these kids were doing to inspire those around them and also... Uh, wanted to uh, encourage these kids to think about a career in healthcare and like what they see themselves doing in healthcare and how they how they feel like they would inspire those around them um, as they go into the field of healthcare. And so that's kind of that. It was kind of mm-hmm. a, the idea that I wanted to center the scholarship around. The actual scholarship itself is not that hard. Of like the questions aren't really that hard. It's three questions, two essay questions. One mm-hmm. of them is what what does inspiration mean to you, and how do you use your platform in your future career to inspire others? And the other question being, what are you doing currently to inspire those around you? And then the last question is, um, in up to three sen- in up to three sentences, describe what you would do with the scholarship award if you were to receive it. So wow. It's a pretty, a simple scholarship, but it just again just wanted to highlight those students who are doing uh, great things to inspire those around them, to inspire um, themselves, and, and to kind of just think about what they could do in the future to, you know, um, like you said, lift as they climb.
0: Yes. And
1: it just ties directly into the motto of my blog, which is, um, you know, an African-American with a desire to inspire. And so I just kind of, you know, made the scholarship to really tie into that desire to inspire.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just curious, like, what advice could you give to like a medical student or someone, even a pre-med who wants to be like, I want to, you know, as we mentioned the motto, lift as I'm climbing. I want to give back. I want to make sure that the people who are coming behind me have a better pathway. Um, What do you what advice would you give someone?
1: You know, I think the first thing that I would tell them, like if they're a pre-med in college or whatnot, just uh, join one of join one of the uh, pre-med clubs. Like Mm -hmm. you have MAPS, which is the minority association of pre-health students. You have other pre-med clubs in college. Um, Just, you know, attend one of those club meetings, um, talk to one of the leadership in the meeting, saying that I really want to, you know, help lift as I climb. I want to, you know, help mentor others. Um, Chances are they'll be more than happy to connect you to either other students or to faculty members who are doing stuff like that. So I think that's one thing to do. I mean, another thing to do is, you know, um, there are various online resources out there. Like, I mean, my blog as a as an example.
0: I yeah, you have really like extensive resources that they can use, which is great because yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to find the information. So I appreciate that you put yeah. it out there, and you're very open about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's a big reason as to why I wanted to um, make my platform the way I made it. Um, I wanted to be ex- as accessible as possible. Um, because I mean. I know, granted, they're like, I mean, people people either may be kind of shy to, you know, just like go up and talk to people or reach out to people, or they Mm -hmm. may not have, like, they may not even be in college. They might still be in high school, or they might, you know, um, or like they're at a community college where they don't have these, they may or may not have these um, pre health programs to kind of learn from or mentors to learn from. So I wanted to make it as accessible as possible on an online platform to, um so that people can kind of see use the resources kind of see what they can do with the resources i plot that i uh, that i um share with everyone online
0: yeah that's awesome so one last question before my actual last question (laughs) (laughs) i'm just curious how do you feel you know as a black man yourself like what is one way like if you saw like someone who was a black male like um trying to struggle to get into medicine, what is some advice you would give to them if you could?
1: Um, man, So struggling to get into med school or uh, into medicine in general, man. I mean, first thing that I would say, number one thing is just, you know, finding like a mentor or several mentors, just finding people who have done it um, because those mm-hmm. people are key to, you know, helping you along the way because not any one piece of advice is going to carry anyone through the, the path or the journey i think it's just that constant communication that constant feedback constant um, relationship that you have with your mentors Um, it really helps you in so many ways that you may not even realize like not only will they help guide you guide you through the process but they can connect you with people that you never would have thought in the first Mm, place because they know absolutely Um, they have they know they have resources that can help you that you never anticipated so a big one big thing is to you know try to try to find a mentor. Um and it's easy as asking, like, you know, just walking up to somebody and just asking them or emailing someone that you admire, just shooting a shot. I mean, as even if it sounds improbable improbable that they'll answer you, just like, you know, send them an email, give them a call. The chances are they'll be surprised at how they can help you. And if they can't help you, then they know someone who can help you. And so I think it's reaching out to people that um reaching out to people who could help you if you're struggling and trying to break into the field of medicine. I think that's the number one thing that you should, you should do. And then from there, I'm sure that other doors will open for you. And, you know, just also being, being uh, resilient and just understanding that it's all a process.
0: Mm, and that absolutely. Everyone,
1: everyone has their own journey. Um, not, um, not every journey, not once one person's path isn't going to be the same as another person's path and trying to compare yourself to other people is just, it's not, it's, it's just not practical.
0: Before. Yeah. So Dr. Dub, thank you so much for allowing me to sit with you and have a conversation and us just to talk about medicine and trying to move things forward. So I have a little like last minute segment I call be on the lookout for. So what are yeah. some things that are going to come from you? I know you already started your scholarship. I know you're already like doing big things with your blog and trying to get more people involved, but what, what, how are you going to further that vision?
1: You know? And so my mind's always working. Like I always have, like all these <laughs> big ideas and stuff. And I'm like, yo, I don't have the time to do all this stuff right now. I definitely am planning on continuing to strengthen my brand and to expand upon it um, on an ongoing basis. Like you said, I have the uh, the scholarship coming out this year. I um, it's the second year I'm doing it, and so that's that's going to be on the horizon. Um, awesome. You know, I, I created a logo for my blog um not too long ago. And so I'm just using that logo to increase um the brand recognition of what I'm doing. I um, nothing's really set in stone yet as of right now. Um but in the future people have asked me if I wanted to like start a podcast if I thought about doing that. And I had kinda of totally oh, the idea of it. That'd
0: be awesome. <laughs> I,
1: Yes, I toyed with the idea of doing that, um, but I think it's just more so you know just trying to figure out like um, what that looks like, what that entails, and how the process of going about doing that, what 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 I need to do, and also making making the time to do that because I already have this blog that I'm maintaining, and so just kind of thinking thinking through that, and also I've also toyed toyed with the idea of making like merchandise and stuff. Um, okay, to- got to the merch. Me let that. me know. Yeah. <laughs> And so I thought about that as well. So, I mean, I don't know, I had like a bunch of uh, various kind of ideas that are always click in my head. But so it's just a matter of sitting down and really making a time to plan it and to also make it a time to, um, you know, set set time aside to actually Uh, Do these things?
0: Yeah, I mean the fact that you're doing this as a resident, I am impressed. (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) I'm always thinking, "Babe, this is great." But thank you so much for coming on Coloring Health Policy. I'm excited for the work that you're doing and will do in the future. Thank you so much, Doctor Dub.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Faith. I really appreciate you having me on this on this podcast. This is an amazing thing that you're doing.
0: So, Doctor Dub left us with some great tips, and I just want to summarize a few. Number one mentorship. In order for us to increase the amount of black men in medicine, we have to make sure that they're getting mentors. And that means making sure that we're putting them in the room with people who can be inspirational to them. We talked about the idea of representation and how even when in the media, the portrayal of black men, if it's not in a positive light, how can you see yourself achieving something if you don't see someone achieving? So we mentioned, you know, the Cosby show, we mentioned Omar Epps and seeing them as physicians can inspire a black man to achieve. So making sure that, you know, they're emailing people, they're talking to people and they're looking for those mentors. Secondly, the idea of lifting as you climb. And that's something that's super important. Whatever level you are in medicine, whether you're a pre-med or a medical student, a resident, fellow attending, always look back down and make sure that you're trying to lift up somebody else who's trying to achieve where you want to be. And that definitely can help us increase our numbers. And lastly, everyone has their own journey. The journey to medicine is such an individualized process. Um, How I got there or how other people have got there, it's everyone has their own way of getting there. But just making sure that when you get there, you do the other two. You make sure you're a mentor and you make sure you're lifting as you climb. But that's all I got to say for this episode. But of course, as usual, I'm going to remind you guys, make sure you are subscribing to Coloring Health Policy. Also, tell a friend. We love having more people listening to us. And definitely make sure you continue to listen. Like I said, I'm going to always have interesting guests. So again, this is Coloring Health Policy.